All right. John 17, why am I in Romans? Okay, so here's where, uh, here's where this comes from. Uh, so this last week, uh, I meet with a few guys uh, out at our house um, on Wednesday mornings. And uh, we were, we were kind of talking around this passage. And we really ended up uh, sticking here and got to it. And I just have not been able to get it out of my mind. Uh, and have been thinking about this passage quite a bit. And so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to just chat about it with you. Uh, so John 17, we're just going to, there's, it's really, I don't do this super often where just kind of one verse, one word uh, really is most of our attention, but that's kind of what has been in my heart this week. Uh, we had some great conversation uh, around it. And so I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to just share that with you. So in order to kind of get our momentum into the passage, uh, we need to do just a little bit of review. And uh, if you've been in here before, you've, you've heard me talk about um, the reality of salvation and we, we've talked about behavior modification versus actual salvation. And uh, the reality is, so let's set the stage. So the reality is that Jesus did not come to make bad people good, right? That's not why Jesus came. He did not come to make bad people good. Does that mean there weren't any bad people? No, there's lots of bad people. You and me, we're one of them. We are one of them, right? That does not mean that there wasn't a problem of sin. But bad behavior was not the problem that Jesus was, was coming to solve. The problem that Jesus was coming to solve was the fact uh, that people were dead, not behaving badly, that they were dead. And dead people don't need to behave well. Dead people need what? To live, okay? So Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And what is, what is aliveness? How does the Bible describe aliveness? It describes aliveness uh, the same, aliveness, is that a word? Okay. It's all right. I'll say a lot of things that probably aren't words today. So. Uh, aliveness or life uh, in the scriptures is defined as the presence of God in us, okay? So that's where life comes from, is the presence of God in us. That's what we were created for. We were created for relationship, intimate relationship with God, connection with God, and that occurs on the inside of us at the moment of salvation. So what Jesus allowed for us to do is to re-enter intimate relationship with God via his death burial, and resurrection. Belief on him creates this moment where by the grace of God, there is forgiveness of sin, which paves the way and allows for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and live in us. And that is defined in the scriptures as life. You with me? So that's entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's life. Okay. So if, if that's true, the question is, is life a one-time moment? This isn't one. So when we talk about salvation, if I were to ask you when you were saved, what would you tell me? You would tell me probably about a moment, wouldn't you? Right? I mean, that, that's probably fair. Most of you would probably articulate that uh, as a moment, okay? But the reality is, and it, it is it, that's true in a sense. There is a moment where you enter into relationship uh, with God, right, through what we just explained uh, through Jesus. He's the only way. It's the only possibility of salvation. And that occurs, that has a beginning, right? Most of you can probably articulate that beginning. Lexus today is going to commemorate that beginning. She's going to uh, be baptized and we're going to put her under the water. And if we leave her there, what's going to happen? She's going to drown. We're, we're going to hope to not do that today. 
Uh, I've only lost two or three. So I got pretty good statistics. So anyway, we're going to put her under the water, and if she, we were leaving her there, she would die. What is it symbolic of? She's going to a place of death. What does sin create in us? Death, right? But she's not going to stay there, right? She's not going to stay there. We're going to pull her out of the water, and she, her entire body will be washed with water. And what is water symbolic of? Cleansing. It's symbolic of cleansing, right? So she's going to come out of the water. She's going to go to a place of death. She's going to come out of the water alive and washed. So we're going to celebrate and signify salvation this morning. Now that moment occurred. You sit down with Lexus, you can, she can talk to you about that moment, that, that process of God changing her life, of that moment of salvation. She can talk to you about that. But what I, what I want to talk about this morning is what does it mean to be alive, because if that's what salvation gives us, then it's not one time that we became alive and that was the one experience, right? If it's life that God has given us, then we can't articulate salvation as a moment. Salvation has a beginning, there's an initiation, but life is experienced after that, isn't it? Y'all with me? Life is given in the moment, but then life is played out in subsequent days for eternity. Because this is what the scripture promises is eternal life. And what we normally do is we say, okay, I'm saved. That's the, that's the experience of life on earth. And then I'll experience it again when I get into heaven, right? That's kind of the way that we, maybe, maybe that's the way we think. That's the way I feel like we talk about salvation a lot. We talk about eternal life in terms of what's going to happen someday when I go to the clouds, Right? Uh, and then we, we talk about salvation in the moment. But what about the in-between? What about in the in-between? What is it that God has really given us? And if life is defined differently than maybe we think, then, then there might be something in the in-between that actually matters. And I want to talk about that uh, today. So what is it to be alive? Life is not a one-time moment. It's a, there's a beginning, and it's a continual experience. So here's how we're going to define what it is to be alive. It is a continual experience of knowing the one true God. I want to share with you where I, where I got that. So we're in John chapter 17. Now this is, your Bible may label the 17th chapter of John as the high priestly prayer. This is where Jesus is going to intercede as the high priest on our behalf. He's going to come before God on our behalf and he's going to pray. And at the very beginning uh, of that passage... I'll just read, I'll start in verse 1 and, and we'll get to verse 3. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give, there it is, eternal life to all uh, whom you have given him. Okay? So, what has Jesus been given to give? He's been given authority to give eternal life to all who God has given him, all who would believe. Verse 3, he's going to define it. It's important that we see this. And this is eternal life. This is eternal life. We talked about this in our group uh, in the the morning. This is the only time that I'm aware of in all the Bible that eternal life is defined in this way. This is eternal life. This is similar to... Uh, the way that we look at uh, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where it talks about faith. Faith is, okay, 
Eternal life, here it is, what's going to say, eternal life is. So this is eternal life. Now look at the way it's defined. That they, what? What's the next word? Just the next word. That they know. Okay, that they know what? That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, so this is where I get my definition. This is just Kendall's definition, okay? But this is what I, what I, so what is eternal life? What is it to be alive? He defines it. It's a continual experience. Why is it a continual experience? It's a continual experience because it's held in knowing him. Okay? If it were not knowing him, if, if eternal life was defined as the moment that you were saved, then it would be, this is eternal life, the moment that you believed on Jesus. That's not how he defines it. He says, and this is eternal life, okay? To know the one true God. So it's a continual experience of knowing God. It's, I'm just trying to simplify it down, even though it doesn't need to be simplified. It's pretty easy here in chapter uh, 17, verse 3. But a continual experience of knowing the one true God. Now, how does this work? Go to Ephesians, cha- um, uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 2. All right, turn your pages. Go, go. Ephesians chapter 2. How many of you uh, prefer to read your Bible on a device? Just curious. A couple? How many of you prefer to have it in your hand? Okay, that's interesting. Just curious. I can't read things on the computer or on a device. I just can't. I can't do it. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. All right, so how does this work? This is this should be recap. Verse one, and you were, what's the word? Dead. You were dead in what? You were dead in the trespasses, in sins, in once in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us, what? You see it? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we were dead. We've been made alive. This, this life has a beginning, but if it's a continual experience, then what does John, go back to John chapter 17. Go back, go back, go back, quick. Like half y'all, most of y'all said you had your paper Bible, so I'm listening. There's not much turning going on here. Listen to how loud that is. Okay, I should hear it, right? Maybe y'all are just way more polite than I am. <laughs> Golly, okay, y'all smile or laugh or something. All right. So we've been dead, we're made alive. Now look, that we know the one true God. So our experience of life, so if you're alive today, your experience of that life is gonna be directly tied to what? Based on John seventeen three. You've been made alive. Your experience of that life today, right now, in this moment, is going to be directly tied to what? Knowing him. 
So what's going to be pretty important for us to understand in this passage? Yeah, what's it mean to know him? What does the word know mean? So I went to the dictionary because I had a sense this was going to be true. I wanted to verify it. So Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament. Well, it's a mouthful, right? Here's what it says. So it, it defines this knowledge as uh, the Greek word is gnosko, and it's a relational knowledge. So um, when I was a kid, uh, one of the things that my dad and I did is we collected baseball cards. You guys even know what that is? It's not even a thing anymore. We collected baseball cards. And what's on the back of a baseball card? Stats, right? You can learn all about a player based on the back of their baseball card. And like all the sports geeks, which I was kind of in that in that group, it's like who could spout off the most statistics? Like who knew all the stuff, right? And you learned that when I when I was growing up, you learned that by reading the back of baseball cards and watching Sports Center. Now y'all don't know anything about Sports Center. It's not what it was, okay? It is not what it was. There was a day when it would just, you turn on the TV and turn on ESPN and it was a highlight of the game and then a highlight of the next game. And, and now I don't even know what it is. I don't, I can't, I don't even recognize that child anymore. So uh, anyway, that's how we knew sports stuff. But here's the deal. My favorite team growing up as, as a kid, I had a favorite football team was Dallas Cowboys and my favorite baseball team uh, was the Houston Astros. And it, it's a sermon illustration, man. What, what is, <laughs> Just kidding. So anyway, so the two guys, when I, was, when I was a kid, the two guys on the Astros that were like big deal were Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio, okay? You guys don't even know. It's okay. So these two guys were, were, were it, okay, on the Astros. I knew everything about them, okay? Everything. I don't know anything anymore. But here's the deal. Last, yesterday I was cleaning out my, some dresser uh, stuff. And I opened this deal. Guess what's in there? Jeff Bagwell's rookie card. And I like had a moment. Like I was like, oh, there it is. You know, <laughs> anyway, it was a big deal. So anyway, why could I tell you everything about him, right? Because he was my neighbor and I knew him well. No, he was not my neighbor. <laughs> why could I tell you everything about him? Yeah, I knew the information. Where was knowing him? It was right here. But if you were to ask me anything about him, like I can tell you where he went to high school, I can tell you where he went to college, I can tell you, you know, everything about him. I can tell you his dog's name, like Craig Vigio had, it was a, like, a, we had a deal with this dog, it was like, it was on a baseball card. I can tell you the dog's name. I knew him. I knew his pet. But did I know him? No, I didn't know him. I knew him in a way, but I didn't know him. The no, gnosko, no, is not know his baseball card. Okay? Gnosko, no, is know him. It's a relational knowledge. It's used in the language between husband and wife. It's used in the language between uh, uh, siblings, friends. Okay. It's an intimate relational knowledge. Okay. So this is eternal life to know him, not know facts, not quote Sunday school jargon. To know him is eternal life. So, here's what else I thought was cool. So I'm reading in this Vines Dictionary. I know, doesn't that sound really exciting? (laughs) What'd you do yesterday? I was reading the dictionary. I'll work on my jokes and then come back (laughs) next week. Here's what else it said I thought was really cool. Such knowledge is obtained... 
not by mere intellectual activity, but by operation of the Holy Spirit consequent upon acceptance of Christ. Nor is such knowledge marked by finality. That's when it was like, boom for me. Okay? So no is relational knowledge. And it says this kind of knowledge is, is not, it, 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 it is by operation of the Holy Spirit. So it's not intellectual activity. Okay, we got that. Check. That's the relational knowledge. And it's consequent. It's done by the Holy Spirit. Consequent upon accepting Christ. So to know him is a work that's done by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I loved. Nor is such knowledge marked by finality. What does that mean? Yeah. That's exactly what it means. It doesn't end. How many of you know that God is eternal, right? That he has no end, right? Do you know that, so if we're in relationship, gnosko, if we get to know one that has no end, then there can be no end to our knowing him, right? Y'all see it? If he is eternal, if his, if his character, if the depth of who he is, is eternal, if he is without beginning and is without end, then knowing him is an eternal experience. And if life is in knowing him, then I get to know him endlessly. Come on. There's no finality in knowing him. That I get to experience knowing him today, and it may change. There's going to be a day when heaven and earth combine, and it's like... I, the Bible just describes this picture of, of the consummation of all time and events, and I, it's, it's this really crazy deal, right? But that's just a scene change. Knowing him will not cease. I won't get to know him for the first time there. It'll just go deeper. Just like today, you could have walked in these doors and you could have known him in a way and in a few hours, you can know him deeper. And this is eternal life, to know him. Y'all with me? This is good news, okay? So here's what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to show you a couple passages. How are we doing? Oh, we're way good. Second Peter chapter 3. Because here's what's happening, I think, right now. Uh, I think at this time of year, and I think we all do it. You know, I don't, I don't think this is just college kids. I think seasons kind of bring about different mindsets. You know, like the new year, what's everybody doing? Oh, yeah, we're going to go to the gym. Right? <laughs> right? New season, new you. I like it. Right? So that's, that's kind of what the new year brings. Right now, I think we're just, we're kind of, we're kind of making the plans. Like you got college students, it's like you're looking, you're looking out at the things you're going to be involved in. You're looking at maybe the classes you're going to take. Like some of you have just not, not too long ago had the conversation of how long is it going to take you to graduate. And some of you, that's been really encouraging. Some of you, you've sobbed afterwards. But um, we're, the fall, like coming into the fall is kind of like plan making time. We just kind of forecast events. We create structures. How many of you at the beginning of school, I did this when I started as a kid, every year they would pass out, especially when you got into junior high and high school, they passed out planners. Like, what am I going to, I'm a junior high, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> Give me a planner. What was the idea? If you'll structure yourself, you'll be successful, right? Y'all, nobody? 
y'all need to get on this train because it works. Like, structure yourself to be successful. Okay, so, but at the beginning of the year, it's like, don't wait. If you're trying to catch up in November, you're in trouble, right? It was, don't wait, plan, organize your time, right? This was kind of, the, this is always the speech at the beginning of fall. And I think even in the work world, we, and family life, we, we do that. So the fall is kind of just structure. Here's who we're going to be. Here's the structure, okay? We structure ourselves, and the reason is that we structure ourselves is because those structures get us to where we want to go. Okay, right? What's the point of structuring study time? What's the point? So you study. Y'all, come on. If you, if you go to the library to study, hopefully that structure has allowed you to be successful and you actually study, okay? The point is because somewhere in your mind, you've made the decision, you've said, okay, if I structure this time, then I'll actually do this activity and that will get me to where I want to go. No teacher's gonna pass out an A because you studied, right? Right? Any of you got an A because your teacher caught you in the library and they're like, Lexus, great. I wish Lexus is just the example today. Great job. It's good to see you in the library. Here's an A, right? Anybody ever had that experience? I never did. Why? You don't get the grade for the structure because the structure just gets you where you wanna go. Hopefully the structure is what produces the grade. Because the grade is where you want to go, right? Right? Y'all tracking this? Okay. Diet and exercise. This is, a, this is another good one. Why do we say, I got to stop eating that? Because it's killing us. <laughs> and we're recognizing it, right? And so we create a structure that says no to some things, maybe foods, lifestyles. And we say yes to others, maybe foods and lifestyle changes. We decide we're going to get in the gym. We're not going to eat this. We are going to eat this. Like most of our plate doesn't need to be just like brown with fried food. Some of it needs to actually have color and life in it. Okay? Right? Why do we do that? Because it's, if we believe if we do this, it will get us to where we want to go. I will be fit. I will be healthy. I will be whatever, you know, whatever it is. The structure gets you where you want to go. Okay, go to Second Peter chapter 3. Are you there? Second Peter's a tougher book to find. Just wait. The next one's Hosea. So I'll have to tell a real long story for you to get to Hosea. All right, so chapter three. Look at verse 18. This is the end, okay? This is what the end of the letter. Listen to what he says. But grow. Grow in the grace and what? What's the next word? Come on, some of y'all just looking at me. What's the next word? There it is. Same word. Gnosko, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to make you go to Hosea, but Hosea 6.3, just write it down. Hosea 6.3 says, let us press on to know the Lord. Grow in grace and knowledge, press on to know the Lord, because this is life. This is, the, this is the terms of eternal life, is to know him. So here's the deal. Here's why we talk about that. You're setting up structures right now in your life. Maybe it's diet and exercise. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's whatever. You're organizing things to a desired end. Here's the question. In our faith, in our, in our life, are we setting up structures that get us to where we want to go in our relationship with the Lord? Here's the trick. Some of you might say, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm going to church. I'm involved in a core group. I'm 
reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm fasting. Here's the deal. But if those structures aren't moving you towards knowing him, if those are performance structures, then even though those are the right things, you don't get the grade for doing those things. You with me? And I'm not saying God's grading us in our spiritual life, but what I'm saying is those structures, if they're aimed at the wrong target, will not get you where you want to go. They will not produce life in you. Performing will not produce life. Knowing him is life. You with me? So as you begin to organize whatever you're organizing right now, as we begin to create a focus, and that's just my my desire is to encourage you as you're kind of creating a focus right now for what this next season of your life is going to look like, organize the entirety of yourself around knowing him. Make sure that that's what you're coming after is knowing him and not knowledge. Not just knowledge knowing the facts on the baseball card, but knowing him. And let me tell you, to do that, you're going to have to engage him on the inside of you. You're going to have to have some relationship. You're going to have to have some interaction with this person called the Holy Spirit who is Christ in us and makes known to us truth. If we don't know him, what is it? What did the scripture say? It's the Holy Spirit, as we read that definition, it's it's an act of the Holy Spirit that does this. If we don't have relationship with God on the inner man, we will not know Him. And all we'll be participating in is religious structures. And there will be no life. Have any of you ever done that? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever, like, man, have you just ever done the stuff? And you get to the end of the road, and it's like, what? I'm exhausted. It's a burden. I end up more upset and angry at other people around me than I started, you know? How is this possible? I'm more jaded than when I started. I'm more burnt out than when I started. I'm more like, where's God than when I started? Maybe our target's wrong. Maybe we're doing the right stuff, but we're aimed at the wrong target. And I've said it a ton of times in here. Hitting the bullseye on the wrong target is still missing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I was, uh, I was sighting in. I just bought a scope for this gun that I've had for forever. I've never put a scope on it. And I was sighting uh, the scope in. And uh, I want to tell you, I hit the wrong target a bunch. Uh... (laughs) It's an aggravating process. Um, I had this, all I had with me was a target that was about this big. It's a rifle, so I needed to be like 100 yards back. <laughs> and all I had was a target about this big. What I didn't realize is um, I'd made some mistakes adjusting the, uh, adjusting the scope before I started. And if you've ever sighted a gun in, you, have to, you need to be on the paper to make adjustments. Like you need to hit something that you can say, okay, I'm too high or I'm too low or I'm left or I'm right. You've got to hit something to adjust. Every time I'd shoot, it's just dirt. <laughs> Ain't nothing happening on that paper, right? I'm hitting something, but it's the wrong target. It's getting me nowhere, right? This is the same idea. You can be doing all the right stuff. I'm sitting there adjusting thing. I mean, I'm like, oh, boy, if you would have just looked at me, you'd go, man, that dude knows what he's doing. And then, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, <laughs> Right? And I I think we spend tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of energy trying to perform the right way. And we come out of it and we go, 
if I were to ask you, okay, tell me, tell me about how you grew in the depth of the knowledge, like gnosko knowledge of God, and we can't articulate that. The same way that you could articulate, like if you went on a first date and it was just, ah, right? You ever been on one of those dates? I have. I married her, okay? <laughs> right? And you sit down and it's just like, oh, it just connects. Like, okay, we need to do this again. <laughs> There's great conversation. There's flow. If I'm going to have a conversation with you about that date, I'm going I'm to be lit up, aren't I? My face is going to be excited. I'm going to tell you about it to, to where you're just kind of like, stop, right? You've been around those people, it's like the first date, and it's like, stop. I really don't care anymore, right? 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 Man, if, if we've been in the room with God, do you think that ought to do something in us? Now, I'm not saying this is all an emotional thing. I'm just, because it's not. It's, it's not. If we base this all on emotion, we're going to miss the target again. God is not, he's not worshipped in emotion and intellect. He's worshipped in spirit and in truth. Okay? But he said, he said that he was going to be available. He's going to be known. I mean, he, so much so, he wants us to know him. And it is so much so that he created us for his presence to live in us and then said, I'm going to help you know me. And this is life. This is what I'm going to do. This grand work of salvation is so that you know me and then operate according to the kingdom. Like that's, that's huge. And so he wants to know us in such a way that that's what he did. And don't you think that after being in the room with the most loving, gracious, merciful, kind, and forgiving entity that has ever existed, don't you think that ought to move us a little bit? Don't you think that would impact you a little bit if over the course of time you met with that person? Think about if I were just to ask you adjectives about God, like describe him, think about the words that we could put on, if we could just write them on this wall. Think about how quickly we could fill the wall with all of the things about God. Think about it. If you were in the room with that person, don't you think it would do something to your heart? And yet most of us, it's like, buh, 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 reading my Bible, checking it off the list, right? Go to church, pray, sing, barf. It's the most boring thing in the world, right? You're not even having fun doing it. <laughs> You're bored and not having fun. But that's not what we were promised. That's not what salvation gave. We've been turned loose into the greatest adventure of all time. We've been set on a mission to push back darkness in partnership with a kind and loving God who's rescued you from the pit of hell and established you as his own. And then not just said, hey, here's a favor. Here's your, you know, here's your salvation. Here's a favor. But out of his kindness, out of his compassion, out of his love, he plucked us from the pit and then just said, come here, I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to give you life every day. And so to do that, I'm going to wipe the slate clean on the inside and I'm going to put myself in you. And we get to be together every single moment of every single day. Even when you close your eyes and sleep, I'm still there. I'm present with you continually, always giving you the opportunity to come in and know me. That's what we've been rescued into. And that sounds way more fun to me, right? Isn't that so much better than just doing stuff till I die? So, let me tell you this. Two things. Just as you kind of set the parameters for the way this next season for you is going to go. Two things. I want you to put healthy structures in place, okay? Meaning, I want for you to open your Bible. 
Please do that. Don't walk out of here and go, man, that was really weird. The preacher just said we don't have to read our Bible. That's not what I said. You better open that book. But you better know that what is in here is the opportunity to be led by the Holy Spirit in knowing God in a deeper way. That's what's in here. And you're going to have to press in because it's not going to be emotional. This is a hard book. (laughs) Some of it's going to make you go, I don't get that. That's okay. But you're not going to get all the feels when you read this book. Okay. If that's what you think is going to happen, this wrong, wrong idea. (laughs) Just like if my expectation for a relationship was that every time I was in the room with the person, I was going to get all goosebumpy. Sometimes there's hard days. Sometimes there's tough conversations. A relationship, especially in a marriage, is not built on the feels. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to paint this negative picture of marriage, right? I'm not. I'm just saying, if it was all the feels, marriages wouldn't last. But it's covenant. It's deeper than that. It's knowing somebody. Right? In the same way, if you, man, don't open this up and think, I'm going to read like three verses and then I'm going to be teleported to heaven and God's going to, right, tell me all my hopes and dreams. That's not the way it works. I'm making, look, I'm making that bigger, but that's what we think. I'm exaggerating a point for the sake of of clarification. That's what we think, man. I I can't tell you how many times I sit down with people and they're like, well, I read those three verses. I opened Bible and just let it fall open to whatever page and it just, right? And God didn't speak. Well, okay. That's not what that book's for, right? You need to have those structures in place. Look, if you don't, if you don't have a, uh, a structure that allows for you to pray, I would say put that in place. You know, where I, you know where it's been for me recently? Oh, my driveway. I found this this last week. So every morning, we've got chickens and rabbits, and I've, you've heard all that. We've got all this junk, okay? So I have to go out and feed all these critters, and right? So the other morning, I was like, I found out that sometimes when I go back into my house, even if nobody's awake, I get distracted real quick. I can just get distracted even if nobody's awake. And so I thought my dog had a pretty good idea. I let her out. She ate, and then she just laid in the driveway. And I was like, all right. (laughs) There's something to that. So I let her out that morning. I just sat on the driveway. I just laid in the driveway. I'm sure people driving by were like, oh, no. (laughs) He's dead. So, man, but I can't tell you the quiet that that gave. I mean, the, the, the piece that was in that, I've, d- I've done it a bunch now. <laughs> right? Find that space. Find that space. That's a good structure. But here's the deal. Know where you're aimed. Why am I doing that? Why am I getting quiet? Why am I spending time praying? Why am I opening the book? To know him. And here's the deal. Here's the good news about that. It's not a performance. Knowing him is not a performance. So you're not going to do it the quote unquote right way and then you're going to be rewarded with knowing him. That's not how it works, okay? He's given us the Holy Spirit to reveal to us truth. He's, he's already given himself to you. You don't have to do a song and dance to earn it, okay? Most of us, that's the first block, is that we think if I read right, if I pray right, if I whatever right, then I'll know him. He's already given himself to us. You don't have to earn that. He's already made himself fully and completely known to you. It's already available. You're just getting to wade into it. You're just getting to be in the room. You're just getting to uh, enjoy what he's already given. So if you kind of get out of your own headspace about, oh, I need to do this right, 
and just start by going, okay, the gift today is I get to open this book and you're going to make yourself known to me. Start that way. The gift is that, God, I'm going to sit down to pray. You've already said that you're going to hear me and you, you love to spend time, that you're going to speak. Start with, uh, he's already said yes. He's already wanted to do that. But create structures in your life this semester that, uh, that move you to knowing him. Fair? That's what I want for us. I think we'd be a pretty radically changed people if we were a bunch of people that knew him. Don't you think? Don't you think we'd be a pretty dynamic group if it was a bunch of people that met with God on a daily basis? I think he might change us. I think, I think that book says a little bit something about that. Right? Let me pray for you. Well, God, we just first say that right now, you are not hiding from us. That is such good news to me. Because when I get in my own head, I think I've got to somehow earn your presence. I think somehow I've got to do this all right, and then you will make yourself known. You'll give me some nugget of truth, some breadcrumb that'll get me further along. That could be no further from the truth. In the person of Christ, you have made yourself fully and completely known. You have given yourself to us in the fullest measure by dwelling in us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you have promised to make truth known to us. So we start with a yes from you. We start with your presence already available. So God, I pray that in whatever way you do it, and you do it uniquely in every life, but I pray that each of us would know you in a greater measure today than when we walked in. I pray that we would set our focus on knowing you, not because we think if we perform well, then you'll reward us, but because these structures, spending time in prayer, spending time in the word, are opportunities to know you. And you have already said that you are willing and ready and are making yourself known, and so we thank you for that. And I pray that some of, us in, man, some of us in here need to meet with you again. Some of us in here are tired of the religious song and dance. And they need to meet with you again. So God, would you encounter us in a way that only you can. God, I pray that you would give us focus and the energies to beat back our flesh and to meet with your presence. We thank you for loving us in this way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You're dismissed, not released. Hey, next week there's going to be a lot of people in here. A lot of people in here. And then a lot of them will be new and not knowing what's going on. Just find somebody that looks panicked and say, welcome. You know, that would be the best you can do. It'll be a crazy morning next, next Sunday. Find somebody panicked, say, welcome. Even if you don't know what you're doing, that's totally fine. They won't you know, know that you don't know. See ya.